Hey everybody, my name is David Malley and I started a story slam called Everyday Short Stories. Okay, our second story comes from Sam who is, maybe still is, a bartender over at McLeod Ale where we were holding our story slam. And his isn't directly job related, but it is about productivity and it's an essay he wrote that's uh, very humorous, so check it out. Hello. I am Sam. Sam Wagner. I'm a bartender here and resident poet laureate of McLeod Ale Brewing Company. I have not saved anyone's life. Uh, not for lack of trying, just hasn't come up. Um, I find it appropriate that I'm going first, not counting the introduce, introducer, uh, as uh, I have a doctorate in the theme of jobs and work. Um, if you're thinking, He's too young to have a doctorate. It's because I don't have a doctorate. Um, so good morning. Uh, I am aware of the time, and that it is not morning. The morning I am referring to is that of a new day, ushering in the dawn of the age of productivity. On this theme of work, or rather the institution of work, I feel that there is no greater threat than the to-do list. The following article is called Much Ado About Doing, or sub-headline, consider it done, or sub-sub-headline, the state of doing, or doing, come undone. Once you're doing, you kind of get the ball rolling and you just, you know, more, you do more and more. That's a, that's a microcosm. Um, so this year, productivity has hit an all-time low, not just for me, but for doers everywhere. Something must be done, though, we have no one to turn to to do it. This epidemic stems directly from the rising popularity of the to-do list. The idea behind the to-do list is that instead of doing something you ought to do, you can put it on a list and not worry about it until later. From the looks of it, this later promises to be a very productive time for all of us. The only problem is that uh, later, much like Orphan Annie's Tomorrow, seems to be ceaselessly a day away. My own to-do list is such an eclectic, needy, and densely unpoetic piece of literature uh, that even after a good 30 minutes of staring at it, I come away exhausted and confused with some amalgam of wash the cat food with the eye doctor, which seems incorrect, and if it is correct, it is certainly of low priority. As I see it, the modern to-do list has devolved from, produ from productivity's right-hand man into a written admission of all the things that will never, ever get done. We are working on our lists, and we are working on little else. I'm even tempted to relabel mine the not-to-do list, but I doubt I'll get around to it. <laughs> yes, the more I look at it, the list, the concept, not the list, the more unfortunate our situation seems to be. But according to the literature, the modern to-do list is on average 26 items long and only getting longer. I myself have a to-do list of over 175 items to be done. The list is five pages long, three if I play around with margins and font, <laughs> making it even longer than I care to read. If read more is somewhere on that list, I'm happy not knowing about it. Thus, my relationship with to-do list has taken an owner-pet dynamic uh, where I feed it several times a day and hope that it doesn't bite me. This is no way to live. 
Imagine if every time Sisyphus, Sisyphus's boulder rolled back down the hill, he decided not only to roll it back up the hill, but to tack on another boulder. This is the hell we're bound to. It didn't used to be this way. No, back in my grandfather's time, humans outranked the to-do list in the animal kingdom. It was a given that if you had something to do, you were either already doing it or had finished doing it a week ago. The only lists worth keeping were of groceries and people in your neighborhood you suspected of being communists. Is there any hope of going back to this way of life? No, not at all. But last week, scientists working on the predicament crossed major breakthrough off their own to-do lists. An article published by experts on the science of easy living long dwarfed by the more serious sciences despite their lack of relevance to the common man. These easy living experts claim to have resolved the issue and established a configuration for a less demoralizing to-do list. The answer summed up is three. Three is the optim num optimum number of items to have on one's to-do list for anyone who is at all serious about getting things on their to-do list off of it. Any more than three and the list becomes overwhelming, sending productivity scurrying back to its normal state of hibernation. Reinvigorated by this breakthrough, I tackled my own to-do list and somewhat and fiercely and somewhat violently edited it down to just three items, as suggested by the scientists. And I've never felt more accomplished. I mean, to cross off nearly 200 items in one afternoon without so much as doing a single one. I feel obligated to thank these scientists, but unfortunately, that would bring my to-do list up to four items, and we all know how that ends. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I got to do some uh, bill paying. One of our favorite sponsors is the Humble Bee Cafe, located in Northridge, California. Fantastic food, fantastic location. Um, amazing, almost all of it's organic, fantastic pizzas, so check it out if you're in the valley. Our next story is actually a poem that comes from David S., and it's called That's What I Do. And David does a lot of different jobs, and some of it is actually kind of career counseling. And so in his career counseling, he uh, shares this poem that he wrote with people. So. Um, enjoy. So w one of the things that I get to do is um, I'm, a, I'm a coach. And uh, often people uh, who, who come to me want help identifying what type of work they should be in or what type of job they should be in. And really the question um, that most people talk about is this question about vocation. And I, um, I redirect the conversation because it's not about vocation. It's about purpose. Because when you identify your purpose, um, then you can tether that purpose to your job. One, one of the things that I do is I write prose poetry. And I bring that into the conversation around purpose. And that's my segue to give me an excuse to read one of my poems tonight in a story telling sequence about jobs. But, it, but it, actually, it actually is connected because part of 
what I do in, in my work with people is I bring this aspect of, of my work, of when I write poetry, which is so freaking lucrative. Um, but I, but I, bring it to, I bring it to to my work as a coach. This poem is called, That's What I Do. I want to be at one with the universe. And my angel told me, if I were truly at one with the universe, I wouldn't feel love or taste the tears when my eyes weep. And if I were one with the universe, I wouldn't be surprised by the chilled delight of a strawberry in the heat of a summer's day. And I wouldn't yearn for the embrace of my children and the feeling of my love in the moment I proposed to her in the hot winter eve under the Santa Fe sky. That feeling when your heart stops, nervous with excitement, while simultaneously knowing the world was yours to own. I was sure my angel didn't understand the intention behind my words. After all, even angels make mistakes. I want to be at one with the universe, my angel persisted. If you're at one with the universe, you will just desire to remember what it's like to be astonished again. You will become the weeping willow, or you will become the weep of the willow. You may choose to become the apple or become the love or become the astonishment, but you won't experience it as a feeling. You'll experience it as a knowing, as it is, because you will have become one with it. You will be fully satisfied. You will be fully satisfied with it, and it will encompass all you are in the moment you become it. But I know you. You love to be astonished every moment of every moment. You will choose to once again discover and laugh because my angel said, that's what I do. It's not the universe you're searching for. It's not the oneness of all there is that awaits you in your most personal moments of reflection, those moments where you are certain of its existence. It is you that awaits you. It is you that you desire to become one with. It is the oneness of you which will hold you, which will hold you. It's that oneness, that breath, that moment, that journey, that solar system from deep inside you, waiting, yearning, hoping, believing you will discover. That's the being deep down you want to become one with. And when you do, time will pass, but you'll stop thinking about its passing, and you'll stop thinking about its future or its history. And one day, you will once again become one with the universe. That's inevitable. And then you'll ask me for guidance to jump back and play the game one more time, just one more time. And as I've always done, I'll be there to guide you and watch you become everything you've always been and will be again because my angel whispered, that's what I do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Short Stories. I'm your host, David. If you really liked it, go to my YouTube channel or my Facebook page or even my website, everydayshortstories.com, and give us some love. And don't forget to tell your Everyday Short Stories.